Welcome, welcome, welcome back to a new episode of Carving the Divine TV. My name is Yujiro Seki, and I'm a director, writer, and producer of the documentary Carving the Divine. Carving the Divine is about Buddhist sculptors of Japan, and I'm ready to present it for the first time in the world. But before I do so, I thought it would be a really interesting idea to present information about the Buddhism and the history of the Buddhism. So that when you guys finally watch the documentary, you guys can appreciate it even more. So without further ado, I have a scholar and one of the most intelligent people that I know, uh, Michael Jordan Van Houtenbelt. Welcome, Michael. Thank you very much. I really appreciate you having me back. Awesome, awesome. So yeah, Michael, by the way, you have a really cool last name, really difficult to pronounce for Japanese people. It, I, I really apologize for that. Um, I can't help it because I was born with it. But, you know, I will, you know, if we want to shorten it, I'm sure we can do Van Etc. or something like that. I think that we could we could make an argument to make it shorter. <laughs> no, no, but I just think it's uh, cool that as a Japanese person from Japan, I mm -hmm. only have a first name and last name. And uh, I always, uh, I'm jealous of the people who have a, like a longer last name, you know? <laughs> Well, I, I'm glad I could give you an exercise in that. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Cool, cool. So Michael has been uh, lecturing us in uh, this series and, uh, you know, he's been giving us very uh, important and interesting information. And, you know, Michael, like uh, when, when you talk about uh, uh, Buddhism, sometimes uh, we, have, we run into a lot of technical terms and uh, unless we know those words, it is a very difficult to progress uh, what we, and understand what we are talking about, right? Right, exactly. Um, there's a lot of difficult terms um, and it's very difficult to, I would say, capture what those words mean in five minutes. It's very difficult to do so. So we're trying to make things as bite-sized as possible, make it as simple to understand. Uh, yeah, yeah. Now, like, uh, we're gonna talk about another big idea today. Oh no! You're ready. For I, I'm, re I'm really nervous for this one. What do you What do you have planned? For <laughs> yeah. So, we you are talking about the Bodhisattva quite a bit. You mentioned Bodhisattva. You know, Bodhisattva, I, I, I mentioned yeah. Bodhisattvas quite a bit. They're a very integral part to Buddhism. Yeah. Oh, it's gonna be a if this is what we're talking about, it's gonna be a very loaded topic. Well, not only that, we're going <laughs> to ask you what celestial Buddhas are. Oh, my so, goodness. So, you know, is there a difference between celestial Buddha and also Bodhisattva and historical Buddha? You know, all these things that like scholars always throw those terms back and forth and make it it's difficult for people who never, who are never exposed to Buddhism to understand. So if you could just explain to us, like, as you said, by size in five minutes, that'll be really cool. <laughs> <laughs> all right, here goes. Um, first of all, I do want to have a disclaimer that everything I say here is only a gross simplification of everything that um, these terms could mean. So what I'm doing is I'm making it at the simplest, uh, easiest way to understand what I'm saying. So a bodhisattva is a being who has achieved, who has achieved enlightenment, but in great compassion, uses its progression towards Buddhahood to guide others to enlightenment. So a bodhisattva attends to the Buddhas 
while simultaneously assisting lower forms still trapped in the cycle of rebirth. So Mahayana, as we discussed earlier, is one of these schools of Buddhism. It means greater vehicle. Uh, they believe that the universe, it consists of many galaxies of world systems that extend endlessly um, in all the directions of space, up, down, north, south, east, west. No matter which way you go, there's an infinite number of galaxies and worlds. So it follows logically with that, that there should be Buddhas that operate in all of these other world systems. So bear in mind that we have Buddhas that are ruling over these world systems and then bodhisattvas who attend to them. Does that make sense so far? So a uh, bodhisattva works for a Buddha or bodhisattvas are I, I wouldn't say works for a Buddha, but serves and attends to the Buddha um, to make sure that all of the needs of the Buddha are uh, provided. Okay, okay. And so these Buddhas who are surrounded by bodhisattvas, they continue to preach simultaneously in their different Buddha fields. So Buddha field, one Buddha field is basically the space where a celestial Buddha occupies and preaches. Hmm. So not every world in this Buddhist cosmos has a Buddha at any one time. Sometimes there is a Buddha, sometimes there isn't. So the worlds where there is a buddha you know those are divided into something known as pure worlds or impure worlds so the pure worlds they only contain beings who are on the way to buddhahood so bodhisattvas and buddhas and then there are the impure fields the impure worlds where there are, you know there are beings who encapsulate all states of spiritual advancement so you've got every stage of the cycle of rebirth, plus some of the celestial beings, plus some of the bodhisattvas. Now, the greatness of the historical Buddha, Shakyamuni, is established because he converts the lowly, the wretched, and the unruly. So Shakyamuni, the historical Buddha, the one that everybody talks about, he is the Buddha that was assigned to our impure earth our impure world the celestial buddhas that you mentioned they exist in the cosmos and they exist and they encapsulate all of the different directions one for each direction and then one for the center as well now i'm going to give the japanese names for these uh buddhas because we are will be talking and we are talking about japanese buddhism specifically so the five Buddhas are referred collectively as the Godai Nyorai, the five great wisdom Buddhas, the five great Buddhas. And they are Dainichi Nyorai, who is at the center of all things. He is the center of the cosmos. Uh, Fukujoju Nyorai, who is the wisdom Buddha of the north. Then you have Ashuku Nyorai, who is the wisdom Buddha of the east. Hosho Nyorai, who is the wisdom Buddha of the south. And then Amida Nyorai, who is the Wisdom Buddha of the West. Now, Amida is a very, very popular figure in Buddhism, especially in Japan. And we will be talking more about him later on. Wow, that was like a lot of information, but what? <laughs> but I'm exhausted. But you know what? So that means basically the historical Buddha is one of the celestial Buddhas. That's no, it is not. The, um, so, well, you could say that the historical Buddha is a celestial Buddha because he 
preaches to one specific planet, one specific world. Mm-hmm. So you could say that he is a celestial Buddha. There's that argument. But because he is a Buddha of this earth, you can also make the argument that he is a Buddha of the here and present. Okay, so let's see. How, what can we take away from uh, your lecture today? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, so let's, to let's simplify it, to, yeah. really, to make it easy, mm-hmm. um, there are many different Buddhas um, that occupy many different worlds um, across the galaxy. Shakyamuni is just one of many. And there are five wisdom Buddhas that sort of overlook the rest of these celestial Buddhas and these bodhisattvas. Is this a particularly only like a, for example, Shingon Buddhism or Tendai Buddhism or like a, it's a kind of universal concept? It's um, mostly found in Mahayana Buddhism, mm-hmm. um, but the best pictorial representations are found in esoteric Buddhism. So like Shingon and Tendai. Okay, awesome. Well, you know, we're going to talk about this Shingon, um, yeah, Tendai even more. I'm very excited about that. But I think, uh, you know, I got the information today. So uh, that was a very, uh, you, yeah, you did it like a beautiful man. So I really appreciate it, you know, trying to do this in five minutes or so. Yeah, it was difficult. Thank you for giving me the chance, though. <laughs> well, more to come, Michael. Mother. All right, looking forward to it. Okay, great. So uh, tell us, uh, Michael, what's going on in your world right now? So I heard you just finished your lecture at Japan Foundation or something, but I, I'm Yeah, sure exactly. That. Yeah, yeah um, I just, just last month, I finished wrapping up the uh, lecture series that I was giving at Japan Foundation. Um, we hit the fifth lecture, which is Celestial Beings. That one completed. We had one of our best uh, attendances yet. Around 70 people were there. Um, received such positive feedback that I think we will actually be continuing it beginning sometime in the middle of 2018. Great. And you, you say you have a more lecture coming up at some other place? Yeah, I do. So at the Nibe Foundation on May 1st, 2018, I will be talking about strange Buddhist sculptures in Japan. Oh, wow. So it's a... It's not like a popular one, but it's a actually, they are actually strange ones. Huh? So really strange ones, ones where there might be only one sculpture representing this deity. Wow. Well, I can't wait to hear more about it, man. Looking forward to it. Thank you for uh, giving me this chance to talk to you as well. No, awesome. You know, it's been very uh, you know, enjoyable. So, yeah. So, if you think uh, this information is useful, make sure to subscribe to uh, Carving the Divine uh, TV page, uh, YouTube page, and make sure to follow me on Twitter and Instagram and like me on Facebook because that's how we do it in the 21st century. Yes, sir. That's right. So, see you next time, Michael. Take care. See you next time. Yeah. Thank you.